Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about your anxiety, exactly how it works. Every time, there's no exceptions. This is how anxiety works every time. And in fact, when we look at how anxiety works, it shows us exactly how to talk through anxiety. Not only that, but anxiety is one half, will be one half of your entire emotional management in your life. Because fundamentally, there are two emotions, anxiety and anger. Multiple feelings, many feelings, but like there's three primary colors. There's two primary emotions, anxiety and anger. More on that later. First, what is anxiety? It is this ellipse, this oval, no. It is a feeling state. Can we spell anxiety? It is a feeling state you have that tells you what about the environment. There's two causes of anxiety and only two. Really, there's one cause, but I make it two as a, as a nice elaboration. There's a threat. There's a threat outside of you or what's a, what's a threat? It's just a loss, a potential loss. It could be a loss in money, a loss in social status, a loss in uh, you know respect for yourself, it, whatever it happens to be. There's some loss out there that gets into your boundary, which will distinguish as a dotted line. <clears throat> this is your identity. Uh, it gets into your boundary and causes anxiety. Now, you know, there's lots of threats and losses out there, potential threats or losses that you don't even register as, an, as anxiety because you've already managed them. It, you know, somebody's approaching you, uh, you know, on the sidewalk, you may think, oh, this is a good thing. You know, another human being, let's, Let's have a nice hello or good morning, right? This is like goodwill towards men because perhaps you've managed anxiety within that particular context. You've managed your social anxiety in that context. So, you, you know, there's a potential threat or loss out there. You don't even, because right, of your boundary, right? It just doesn't even get in. It doesn't even feel like that. Uh, but when there is a threat or loss out there that you haven't managed in that way, it gets in your boundary and you feel it as anxiety. And once you feel the anxiety, there are three things that you can do with it. And only three things. The first thing you can do is avoid it, turn away from it, some kind of indecision. I mean, ultimately, that's what avoidance is, is there's a decision to be made about this feeling state that you have and you simply don't make the decision. And every time this ends up in OCD, obsessive thoughts, compulsive behaviors, um, which boils down to I can't, but I have to. I can't is the obsessive thought. Every obsessive thought can be boiled down to I can't and every compulsive behavior can be boiled down to is, is in a sense a manifestation of I have to. Now, you know, you, you go to your typical, you know, mindset trainer, you know, self-help book, you know, whatever therapy industrial complex uh, therapist and they will say, oh, well, you have this negative thought of it can't, but I have to. We'll just change the thought. Say so you can and you don't have to, and then you're gonna feel better. It's not how it works. You're here in your anxiety and you're pretending like you're up here. We'll get to it. This is a symptom of how you are mismanaging your anxiety. So unless you look at exactly the threats and losses, unless you can really integrate how you feel about it, all the can'ts, you know, all the OCD in the world, you're not gonna get rid of that just by pretending like you're up there. Again, we'll talk about what's up there and then so how do you come back to anxiety that's the first thing you need to do you got to come back to anxiety it's just how the universe works is you become aware of it you journal you talk about it perhaps you meditate you ask yourself what am i avoiding you know 
what threat or loss out there am I avoiding? You talk through it in a healthy way. We will get to that. But once you're back up in anxiety, there's uh, something else destructive you can do about it. Before we do something constructive about it, you don't have to do this destructive thing, but there is something else you can do with anxiety, and that is you are helpless with it. I know we had a dotted line for your boundary. There's another dotted line here for, or, or to mark the, the distinction between you're conscious, everything above the dotted line is conscious, everything below is unconscious. OCD is unconscious. It's unconscious anxiety that you just feel as obsessive thoughts, compulsive behaviors. Helplessness is partially conscious, partially unconscious. You're kind of aware of it as you're being helpless. Not really, but it's more of a, a dump. You're taking your anxiety and effectively you dump it on other people. There's just lots of different iterations of this. There are complaints. There's complaining. I like that one. There's victimhood. Which, you know, and the, once you look at anxiety and really how it works, you, you know, people tell you to stop complaining or oh, just stop being a victim. You can't just stop being a victim. Yeah, you can over a long enough timeline, but first you need to understand how all this works. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm just going to pretend like I don't feel this way. It doesn't work. You need to work your way out of that, but you only can do that once you understand how anxiety works. If you don't understand that, then all, you know, you could be the smartest person in the world. You could have the most goodwill. <clears throat> if you're really not, um, you really don't get how victimhood works and where it comes from, then it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, there's a bunch of things down here. There's martyrdom. That's kind of like victimhood. Uh, you know, there's this one, which people mess up all the time. Next time I'm going to get a, a, a whiteboard stand that doesn't make a bunch of rally noises. So people think, oh, I'm, I have perfectionism. I just want to do a good job. No, you're anxious. You're anxious, you're helpless, and your perfectionism is, in a sense, your way of being helpless with your anxiety. You hold these high standards, really, you think you want to do a good job, but really what you want to do is criticize yourself. Self-criticism is another good one. Uh, Passive-aggressive communication, you know, there's a bunch. Mm. But this is all helplessness. You're dumping it out on somebody else. I mean, nobody wants to be around somebody who's a perfectionist. It, that's just annoying, right? You're making everybody else deal with your anxiety because you can't. And you dress it up in this language like you just want to do a good job. I mean, it's the saddest thing in the world. It's so sad. That's why we need to actually understand how anxiety works before you can even think to, to work through it. But once you're in helplessness, how do you get back to anxiety? You, can, yeah, you can't just pretend like you're not helpless. You need to do what? One thing in particular. Responsible. You need to take responsibility for your helplessness, for the anxiety that you feel. Don't take responsibility for this, for the threat and the loss outside of you. Now, maybe you are responsible for that. You know, that's the easy thing. We've got to take responsibility for your life. Yeah, before you do that, you need to see exactly how you're responsible for your helplessness, for the way that you are managing anxiety in a destructive way, a way that's destructive. I mean, it's destructive for yourself, but for other people. What is your benefit? Like, what's the benefit that you receive from your helplessness? There's a bunch of benefits. Part of that will be the secondary emotional payoff, something else I talk about on this channel. So now once you're back in anxiety, there's something 
uh, positive, you could say, or healthy. That's a better word for it. There's something healthy you can do with your anxiety, and that is you confront it. You confront it for exactly what it is, and every time you do that, you get confidence. What's OCD? I can't, but I have to. Well, what's confidence? What's the implication? I could if I want to, but I won't if I choose not to. I could, but I won't. That's confidence. And you don't get that way. You don't get there by just changing your thoughts down here. You got to work through this process, see how all these, uh, all these iterations of anxiety come up in your life, you know, talk through it. And then you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to take whatever the thread is. You know, what's the, the example I use in the book is, uh, or let's just say it's the person walking on, on the other side of the street, you know, towards you. What would be the way to confront that anxiety for exactly what it is? I mean, you, you may go through all these different iterations of anxiety, but eventually what? You just say hi. And you know, 95% of your uh, confrontation of the anxiety will be open communication with somebody about how to, in a sense, make that situation better, not only for you, but given the context, the milieu, whatever, it makes it better for somebody else. It takes some creativity. There is some intelligence behind this, thankfully. <laughs> Not too much. And every time you do that, every time you confront the anxiety, you know, pay off the electric bill, uh, talk about some difficult thing in your life with somebody who you're trying to avoid, you know, send out some email. Every time you do that, you get this emotional energy called confidence. I could if I want to, but I won't if I choose not to. And if you're not ready to do that, well, this anxiety diagram shows you exactly how to talk through anxiety until you're ready to do something like that. So how do you talk through anxiety? It's all, it's all here. The first thing you do is you talk about the situation. That's the threat of loss outside. You know, what's the situation that's giving rise to the anxiety? The second thing you talk about is your anxiety. Now, you don't just say, well, you don't, well, just say how the, the anxiety feels. How does it feel to you? You don't just say anxiety, right? It's like the, the primary colors, hexadecimal analogy. There's a bunch of different iterations. How does it feel precisely for you? And when you say how it feels, when you actually say how the emotion feels, you notice how it feels. It's a sensation in your body. You know, it's, it's this neurological sensation in your body that affects your muscles and, you know, a bunch of uh, other systems in your body. How does it feel? Where do you feel it is a good question to really tap into the anxiety here. And then the third thing you talk about is why or what does it mean? And every, t yeah, what does this anxiety mean to me? You're not talking about out here anymore. Now you're talking about here. What does it mean to me? Why do I have this anxiety? And every time you do this, you just take little bits of your unconscious and bring it up. Little bits and bring it up. Little bits and bring it up. Now, you know, every one time or each one time you talk through anxiety, it doesn't make that big of a difference. But over a long enough span, because anybody is able to do this, you know, to varying degrees. Over a long enough span, you just become more conscious, more of your unconscious becomes conscious, more, and, and by the way, yeah, by the way, each time you do this, I mean, this is a, a mini confrontation of the anxiety, just talking about this, and instead of talking about this thing out there and, you know, blaming it through helplessness, you say, well, what does this mean for me? And, you know, a good shortcut here is just ask yourself why three times. Why do I feel this anxiety? Why, why? You don't have to get the right answer, just say something. And the fourth thing you talk about, the fourth thing you talk about is how this anxiety is your responsibility. 
not this out here. This is not your, this could be your responsibility. If it is, we'll get to it later. First, how is the, how is your helplessness, your victimhood, your perfectionism? How is it your responsibility? How do you benefit from it? I mean, one benefit is always going to be, it's your payoff. It's your secondary emotional payoff, right? And then the fifth thing you talk about is indicated up here, which you don't really have to say is how, what could you do possibly? This is a thought experiment. What could you do to confront your anxiety? Or if you, if it's like too intense to make it about you, what could somebody do if they were in your, if your best friend was in your situation, what is one thing he could do to confront the anxiety for what it is and put it out in the environment in a way that is not only healthy for you, but for other people. Uh, and this is it. This is your anxiety. I, you know, we're talking about confidence here. I don't need to be confident about this because this simply is. The sky is blue. This is how anxiety works. If you want to manage your anxiety, you need to first get exactly how it works every time for everybody on earth. Yeah, different cultures have different words and, you know, different cultures, you know, maybe because, you know, whatever their worldview, they, they feel anxiety in a little bit different way. Sometimes it's more somatic. I get it. But it always works in this way. One plus one equals two. This is how anxiety works. I don't, it's deductively airtight. And if you want more answers on that, uh, go check out my book. Um, if you have any questions about this, just, you know, leave a comment below. What else do I have to talk about? Yeah, there's a book on Amazon. It's nine bucks. Joinanimous.com slash schedule if you want to reach out and talk to me about what's going on in your life. Thank you guys. And, re and uh, yeah, I wish you all the pain and joy. I wish you all the pain and joy that comes from looking at your anxiety for exactly what it is.